Global supply chain and logistics industry leaders gather, connect, and exchange ideas at IHS Market's annual TPM conference organized by the JOC. In our new podcast series, Beyond TPM, we keep those conversations going, taking a deep dive into critical, rapidly evolving topics and the insights uncovered this year at TPM 21. Today, I'm speaking with Peter Exada, Vice President of Planning and Operations at Vancouver Fraser Port Authority. Thanks for joining me today, Peter. Thanks for having me. So to just set the stage a bit, Vancouver Fraser Port Authority is the legal entity and a federal agency responsible for stewardship and administration of Canada's Port of Vancouver. Could you just give us a bit of context on the relationship there? Our primary mandate is a federal one, which is associated with enabling Canada's international trade. We're also responsible for overseeing port development as Canada's trade grows, and we do that by building infrastructure both on a dock and away from it, uh, and by reviewing and permitting uh, port development uh, ideas uh, such as terminal expansion. As Canada's largest port, the Port of Vancouver handles about 144 million tons of cargo a year, worth about $240 billion. Vancouver, like many ports worldwide, experienced a dynamic 2020 with a dramatic fluctuation of cargo volumes, closing with a strong rebound at year's end. So I have to start with, how's 2021 going from your perspective? And what are your expectations for where it's going to take us? I think uh, we certainly expect that uh, the first half of 2020, uh, as we experience, uh, I'll call it disequilibrium in the supply chain, that volatility or variability uh, really does uh, throw a wrench into things. And so there will be challenges. Uh, We are confident, as I mentioned, though, that uh, as a result of a strong rebound uh, and the work that we're doing in the port to to manage the current operating environment and build for the future, that that the outlook is uh, is strong for uh, the Port of Vancouver. Uh, We're continuing uh, to be focused on building container capacity to ensure that our ability to handle future volumes uh, is there as uh, as the economy and as the supply chain recovers. Okay, let's talk about capital expansion. You had the Centurn project underway last year, among other investments. How, if at all, did 2020 impact expansion plans at the port? Yeah, uh, well, the port, is, as you mentioned, has a very significant capital expansion program underway across a variety of sectors, including the container supply chain, both uh, at Tidewater, the center expansion is, uh, is in midstream now, uh, and we're making a variety of investments away uh, from the waterfront in terms of uh, uh, infrastructure to support uh, fluid uh, supply chain uh, operations. The Centrum project is an interesting example of the kind of work that we're doing. The project uh, will uh, essentially expand the capability of that facility from 900,000 TEUs to 1.5 million TEUs with a very small increase in the terminal footprint, but a significant densification and modernization project that is underway. Uh, So we'll end up with about a 60% increase in capacity with a 15% increase in the terminal uh, terminal footprint. Very cool stuff uh, from a port perspective. So looking forward, would you say that the experience has changed in any way the investment priorities? As we 
focus on 2021 and beyond. Though we're working hard to ensure that uh, that growth and that uh, service that customers have become uh, accustomed to through our gateway continues with expansions, uh, new capacity, as, as uh, you mentioned, the center project, uh, but really lots of work happening in a variety of different, uh, different sectors. Uh, we've been very fortunate to secure uh, through various levels of government and uh, private sector investments in uh, infrastructure away from uh, port terminals. Um, uh, commitments that will see about a billion dollars worth of um, de-bottlenecking and capacity expansion project being brought to road and rail in and around the port. We think many of these projects are going to be critical for us to build and continue to grow the, both the capacity and the resiliency of uh, the port as we move forward. Big projects like this don't pivot quickly just because disruption comes up. Would you say that there's been any sort of strategic shift because of the pandemic in how you're looking at investments in the future? You know, I, I think um, the type of global shock that uh, we've all experienced uh, gives rise to you know, questions about whether um, major investors, port or otherwise, are accurately assessing risk and whether the market dynamics that we've become accustomed to in Trans-Pacific trade, the role the ports play in that is going to continue or whether there's a fundamental change uh, unfolding. And if you recall back uh, the last time we had such a uh, significant shift in 2000 or impact in 2008, 2009, I think it gave the same kind of pause uh, that the current situation does. What we saw coming out of the 2008 and 2009 situation in the Vancouver context was the same or similar order of magnitude in decline in the, in the year of the impact, but almost immediately uh, thereafter, a very strong uh, response uh, and, and uh, return to uh, traditional um, uh, growth trajectories for, uh, for our gateway. Uh, and I think the parallel for this particular uh, circumstance is that uh, we're seeing uh, that while there are uh, impacts uh, that might be short uh, term, the fundamental trading patterns between North America and Asia are, are not at, at that quick to pivot. And the outlook for us as a port authority in the context of trans-Pacific trade one that I believe is uh, very strong uh, because of the competitive uh, services that we offer, the capacity that we offer, and that export opportunity that we offer will serve us well into the, uh, into the future. So uh, a reduction in the short term in terms of demand uh, gives us a little bit of breathing room in terms of our infrastructure agenda, but doesn't fundamentally alter it. So I'd like to dig into the topic of resiliency a little bit and the role that that plays in both everyday port decision-making and managing all types of supply chain challenges from the ones that we might categorize as small after this year anyway, to more major global disruptions. Can you speak to your strategy behind investing in ways to increase resiliency in operations? Port of Vancouver is kind of a, a unique animal in, the, in, in its construct. I mentioned we're a federal uh, organization. Each of the container terminals in uh, the, the, the Port of Vancouver is uh, 
occupies uh, federal land, so we're the, we're the landlord. Puts us in a position in that context to do some things collaboratively with those, uh, with those terminals. Uh, and as, as the question suggests, uh, you know, port resilience is just such a key. Uh, it's harder and harder to bring capacity uh, to, uh, to bear, and we're, we're working hard at that. But you know, the best capacity that you have is that which is latent in your existing supply chain. So uh, using uh, um, port uh, policy, using uh, port infrastructure, and then using and overlaying uh, technology uh, to, to, to uh, try and extract uh, that latent capacity through greater collaboration of supply chain participants is, a, is an absolute must for port authorities going forward. What we're doing is investing in supply chain data initiatives to help us leverage the uh, investment we're making in uh, new assets to make better and more informed decisions uh, on a day-to-day -day basis uh, to provide a platform for that but also to help us foreshadow uh, challenges uh, before they arise and target the improvements that are necessary to, to do that. We believe that greater visibility into the supply chain can provide insights to maximize performance. Uh, this visibility will inform choices for infrastructure investments, as I said, uh, but also help with day-to-day uh, -day, uh, operations and facilitate our uh, ability to meet demands in the future. So what are the most important elements to making that happen? The key components of that Port Authority's work to enhance supply chain effectiveness include, as I mentioned, investing in off-site infrastructure, working to identify opportunities to create greater resiliency in, in the rail supply chain that, that approaches the port, uh, in, incorporating operational efficiencies at a uh, port, and then uh, overlaying that with these transparency initiatives that link uh, disparate elements of the supply chain. So for example, helping terminal operators understand the marine supply chain in aggregate uh, or the rail supply chain in aggregate, because each uh, participant in the supply chain often is involved in their sector the container sector, in our case, we'll have people in the, in the grain sector, in the coal sector. What we're trying to do is create a, a sense of how those things come together in aggregate, placing demands on a supply chain uh, to make sure that we're as, as fluid as possible. We've seen the effectiveness of, our, of the strategy work in different pieces of the port, but we obviously, like many ports, have a, have a lot of work to do. Any particular initiatives you'd like to highlight? During uh, the pandemic, we continued working with our partners to advance one of the key supply chain visibility initiatives we have underway. Uh, and I'm pleased to say that this is a multi-party initiative. To give you an example, it, uh, it includes uh, some sponsorship by, uh, the, by Transport Canada, the, the, the federal regulator of transportation, uh, the, the port, uh, another port in, uh, in British Columbia and other gateway partners uh, to unlock that um, the, uh, latent capacity in the supply chain and really reach our full uh, economic potential from investments that we have uh, that we've made. Using these business and technology insights, uh, we're hoping that uh, we'll create a more comprehensive view into goods movement in, uh, in our part of the world uh, and increase our ability to identify those uh, bottlenecks, um, whether they be operational or physical uh, in, uh, in, in, in uh, time to address them before they become you know, really critical uh, challenges for us. Once again, 
with a view that we're continuing to grow and we want to continue to facilitate that, uh, that, uh, that trade. What examples can you give to how you see this fitting together? We publish daily reports available on the port's website associated with how the gateway is performing on our eHub app, which is available for uh, Apple and Android uh, users. An example I would use is, you know, since, uh, since uh, really uh, 2015, the port has had uh, an initiative underway uh, to collect GPS data from the container trucks that are uh, equipped to come into uh, and licensed to come into the port uh, container facilities. Uh, the result of the work that we've done uh, uh, with terminal operators and with that sector uh, has resulted in turn times into and out of our container terminals for the last five years of around 40 minutes. Uh, relative to other ports uh, around the world, that's a really good indicator that uh, truck activities into and out of our facilities are very uh, fluid. And we use that information to populate that eHub app so that in real time, folks can look at what the conditions are on our terminals. And I'm, uh, as I say, I'm pleased to, 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 to report that the news is generally good with regard to how things are, how things are unfolding. That information on the eHub is, is updated uh, uh, almost in real time. Every minute, it actually gets refreshed with data from that GPS fleet. Just an example of the kind of visibility that we're trying to create uh, that helps the uh, uh, that helps the uh, operating stakeholders in the in the port uh, function effectively. That app that I mentioned has received about ten thousand downloads uh, uh, since it was implemented a couple of years ago, and uh, highlighting that for users of the port of Vancouver because we think that uh, that's something that will uh, continue to evolve as a platform for us to communicate uh, and provide both. Um, aggregated information that can be used for planning purposes, but information that's useful in real time to the day-to-day -day, uh, operations uh, operations of the port. So that that tool and those initiatives are really intended to drive continued collaboration for uh, for the port authority with its customers, with industry stakeholders uh, on these you know really critical uh, and uh, and operationally important. Day-to-day uh, -day decisions uh, that that really drive the the, the supply chain. So um, we're we're uh, going to continue working on that. So, what will be the biggest challenge, do you think, for the next decade? From a port perspective, we're often uh, clearly uh, advocates for uh, trade and advocates for our customers that use the port of Vancouver. The uh, challenge for us as a, as a port authority uh, surrounded by um, communities, uh, some of which are more or uh, less familiar with the importance of uh, trade as an economic engine, uh, we're always trying to strike a, strike a balance. Uh, and as uh, it becomes um, uh, difficult uh, to add supply chain capacity, uh, those conversations with uh, other stakeholders become more complex. So uh, what will be the biggest challenge? I think uh, sustaining support for uh, supply chain activities uh, and investments uh, for many for many ports is uh, a real challenge. Uh, we are investing heavily in, in uh, infrastructure and in the capability to engage with a broad range of stakeholders, operating stakeholders, but also other, other uh, stakeholders who have um, an interest in what the port is doing. Uh, 
that's going to be increasingly important. It's going to require patience uh, and commitment uh, as those conversations become more complex. Uh, we think we're up to that task, um, but that is undoubtedly becoming more complex for, for many ports, particularly in the North American context. What's been the biggest change to how you do business? From the perspective of, of uh, the Port Authority, I would say this uh, um, fundamental shift uh, has been for ports to be um, much more active in understanding the implications away from the waterfront uh, and really using uh, and adopting technology as a means of uh, facilitating greater um, uh, transparency and better collaboration across the range of stakeholders that, uh, you know, typically have been somewhat fragmented in, uh, in uh, their, their collaboration. Well, that's all we have time for. Thanks for joining me today, Peter. It was a great conversation. Well, thanks, thanks for having me on the podcast, Alexandra. I, uh, in Vancouver, of course, we've got plans to continue to grow our capacity, uh, and uh, we're moving forward with those initiatives despite the unpredictable year that we just all had. I want to thank our main customers for their business and their continued confidence in the Port of Vancouver as we uh, deal with uh, and come out of the COVID-19 experience. Beyond TPM is a production of the JOC, part of the Maritime and Trade Division of IHS Market. For more news, analysis, and business intelligence for all things shipping and logistics, visit JOC.com and follow us on social media.